Let's pray. Father, this morning as we have gathered together, we are thankful. We do not take these days for granted. And Lord, as we open up the Scriptures this morning, Your Word, these are Your words to Your people. And so may we be grounded in Your Word. May we be grounded in truth. And we pray You continue to build Your church by Your Word. May it be for Your glory and for the good of Your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, we uh, started our series, What is a Healthy Church? Last week, we looked at the office of deacon. This week, we are looking at the office of overseer or elder. And if you're uh, new to North Hills, if you're visiting or viewing online, we are an elder-led congregation. And we will walk through some of that this morning. But if you have questions, please feel free to talk with one of us after the service. So the last few weeks, and in the coming weeks, we will continue to focus on what is a healthy church by looking at missions and our, our gathering. And then we will start in the book of Colossians at the beginning uh, of October. But if you have a copy of God's Word this morning, our main passage is going to be Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. If you do not, uh, there should be one on the back of the pew in front of you. So Acts chapter 20, we're going to be looking and reading uh, verses 17 through 38. But our primary focus this morning is going to be on verse 28. So we will read verses 17 through 38, but our primary focus will be on Acts 20, verse 28. So starting in verse 17 of Acts chapter 20. Now from uh, Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from, de- from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers 
to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is God's word. So as we walk through God's word this morning, our main focus, our main text is going to be Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The, the role of elder, the role of elder is a privilege. It's not a role that every man should aspire to. But to be able to be a pastor among this plurality has been a great privilege given by the Lord. There's a heavy weight and seriousness regarding the office of elder. What a fearful yet blessed privilege to be charged with handling the Word of God. There are no perfect elders. And as I think upon my own life, I'm regularly reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, which says, Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I'm a fool regarding the world. I have my challenges regarding learning disabilities and other things. And I pray, though, that my life is used by the Lord for me to continue to serve as an elder, to preach the good news, which is foolish, according to the world. When one thinks about what an elder or pastor should be, some say that we should only speak positively about ourselves behind the pulpit. I think that misses the mark of this office and misses the mark of our need for a plurality of elders. I am not a perfect pastor. I have a variety of shortcomings. And I need need to be an open book when it comes to the ministry uh, and when it comes to uh, others here at North Hills. I, I need to be an open book when it comes to the other elders here at North Hills. This is for my good for my family's good, for my other elders' good, and for the good of this body, and ultimately for the glory of God. I need to be self-aware of where I'm not pastoring well, 
or thinking through things clearly. And so when we think about elders and pastors uh, this, this morning, I'm going to use those words interchangeably. We believe elder, pastor, shepherd, bishop, overseer is, is the same office, but those words can describe different aspects of the same office. But when we say elder, pastor, elders, we would define this as an office in which a man aspires to that will teach sound doctrine, will pray for the church, leading through church discipline, to be an example to follow and train other men to serve as well. We can spend quite a bit of of time on who can be a pastor. We can spend time on what it means to aspire to the office and, and many other things as it relates to this biblical office. And uh, I'm not, this morning, I'm not going to be able to cover everything as it relates uh, to the office of elder. But for the sake of our time this morning, I want you to know where we are going. So we're going to be focusing a majority of our time on some of the tasks that elders and pastors are to do. What do elders do? What is the office and the, and the function of elder pastor in Scripture? And how are we doing this at North Hills? Just because a church describes themselves as elder-led, that's not always the case. But here at North Hills, we believe in a plurality of elders and we desire to put it into practice. So before we dive into Acts 20, verse 28, and lay out what elders should be doing. I'm going to mention the qualifications for elders and then also show some passages that mention the plurality of elders. So just a quick overview of where we're going to go. So qualifications, plurality, Acts 20, 28, and then we will uh, look at what elders do to care for the church of God. So buckle up, have an open Bible, take notes. We ready? All right. Let's go. So this morning is not going to be some dry, dull thing when we talk about elders in the life of the local church. God has instituted the church for His glory. He has established established these offices of elder and deacon as we looked at last week. He has shown what the church of the King Jesus should do. And so these things are for our corporate good and should stir our affections to glorify God. So regarding the qualifications of elders, I'm going to read 1 Timothy 3, verses 1-7, through 7, but want to make note that Titus chapter 1, verses 5-9 through 9, mentions qualifications as well. So 1 Timothy 3, verses 1-7. through 7, Scripture says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. 
For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So, when a man says he aspires to the office of overseer, this is what he must be. But this elder should not serve as an individual. Churches should desire to have a plurality of elders. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, Scripture says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed to the Lord in whom they believed. So the apostles, they appointed elders and then entrusted them with apostolic doctrine. Even at the beginning of this passage in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, Paul sent to Ephesus and called not an elder, but the elders. And Paul begins his address to the church in Philippi in Philippians 1.1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons. So in the beginning of that letter, Paul again reminds the church of its two offices, overseers, elders, and deacons. And so we mention the qualifications of an elder in 1 Timothy 3. We see that there should be a plurality of elders from the Scriptures. Now in Acts 20, we see Paul's speech to the elders in Ephesus. So in this passage, Paul told the elders in Ephesus to come to him. To come to him. He is preparing the church in Ephesus for his absence. In verses 18 through 26 of chapter 20, Paul points out and reminds them of his service in ministry. And he has done so faithfully in verses 26 and 27. Then in verses 28 through 30, he directs the elders to care for the flock. To care for them from the wolves. To be alert. Must be alert in verse 31. And as he ends this speech, he again reminds them that they are to follow the Lord's teaching. In verses 30 to to 35, And then Paul departs in verses 36 through 38. So this is a a pastoral speech given by Paul to care for pastors. He has been with these men. He, He calls them to care for the flock that God has entrusted them to oversee. Let's read Acts 20, verse 28 again. God's Word says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which He obtained with His own blood. So there there are three things we see in this verse. First thing is, elders are called to pay close attention to themselves. They're called to pay close and careful attention to themselves. The second thing is, elders are to care for the flock. Pastors are to care for the flock. 
And then the third thing is, is the great shepherd has obtained the flock with his own blood. The great shepherd has obtained the flock with his own blood. So the first thing we see, elders are called to pay careful attention to themselves. Pastors should spend time daily in the Word and in prayer. We need to dig deep wells ready for the variety of seasons of life. This this should be said of every believer, right? But elders are entrusted to teach sound doctrine. If a pastor's life is not saturated with the Word of God and spent in prayer, then it will affect his life and the life of the church. 1 Timothy 4, verse 16 says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So there is a responsibility and call upon the pastor to be watchful over his own life and his own home. The second thing we see, verse 28, elders are called to care for the flock. Elders are to care for the flock. And elders, um, we'll, we'll walk in that in a second. But in the, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, Scripture says that God will rescue His flock. Ezekiel chapter 34, God will rescue His flock. In that chapter, the sheep that make up a flock are trusting in the Lord. In the Gospels, believers are referred to as sheep. And Jesus says in John chapter 21 to Peter, to feed my sheep. The flock is a group of sheep, which is, which is the church. This is the local body of believers. And elders are called to pay attention, to care for the flock. Scripture says the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So Paul is telling these elders of Ephesus that it's not you who have done this. This is of the Lord. This is given by the Lord. Elders are divinely appointed servants, not lords. Elders are not the chief shepherd. Christ is. And so elders are to point to Him. And elders must know and recognize that we are sheep too. Yet, we are to be under shepherds of Jesus, caring for the church of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 says that pastors are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. We will spend more time on this in a moment, reflecting on how elders care for the church of God. But simply, elders care by... Uh, for the church of God, first and foremost, by preaching the word and praying together. And then, there's many other things as well. Meeting with members. Having conversations. Counseling. Inquiring about all avenues of life. Meeting with missions efforts. Recommending members. Leading through church discipline. Laying out a budget. And, and thinking about sending other elders out. Beloved, we have too many men that have been gifted by the Lord to not be planting churches or do a church revitalization in the short term 
and the long term. We have too many men that have been gifted by the Lord. And when we plant churches and do church revitalizations, God, God's kingdom is going to continue to grow. People will uh, continue to come to faith in the Lord Jesus. And when we plant churches, it will not be as if we're saying goodbye. We can foster a biblical understanding of cooperative efforts together. And I'm thankful, as we all should be during this season of the life of our church, I'm I'm thankful for this season. But I'm equally excited in how God will use North Hills to plant churches, to help churches, and to send out missionaries. And here in a little bit, we will continue to expound upon what does it mean that elders are called to care for the church of God. But lastly, in Acts 20, 28, the great shepherd has obtained the flock with his own blood. The great shepherd has obtained the flock with his own blood. Jesus has ransomed a bride with his own blood. He has sought and bought individual believers and brought them together as a body. The Apostle Paul mentions this to the elders in Ephesus again with a similar phrase in Ephesians 5, 25. Scripture says, Christ gave himself up for the church. So the church is not man's. The church is God's. Beloved, we were dead in our sins. All of us, all of us have rebelled against the King of Heaven. None of us were good. Apart from the mercies in Christ, there is nothing good in us. Before a holy and just God, every single one of us deserve to be in hell for our sin. And we cannot save ourselves. We cannot pull ourselves up out of the pit. We have no hope apart from divine accomplishment, divine redemption. And so we see in this text, but Christ, Christ has obtained the flock with His own blood. He being the true and better Adam, truly God and truly man, taking on human flesh, living perfectly in our place and dying in the place of rebels, rising again on the third, that those who come to Him in faith will will be redeemed from their sins. He, He has obtained. Christ has accomplished. With the shedding of His blood, the church is Jesus' possession. Think about the song in Christ alone. I am His and He is mine. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. It is Christ who has bought His bride and owns His bride. It is His sacrifice. And so any pastor who says, this is my church, or speaks in a manner like they own it, is is speaking falsehoods. My way or the highway is false. It's arrogant. Denies the work of our King. Christ has obtained 
the church with the shedding of His blood. So, beloved, may the gospel of the Lord always be present on our lips. As we long to see biblical churches full, we should also long to see pulpits in this land preach the gospel of God. Our hope is not in self-help garbage. Our hope is not in political discourse of the day. Our hope was not in the election in 2016 or in 2020 or it's not, it's not going to be in 2024. Our hope as believers in the Lord Jesus is found in the gospel. Our hope is found in Christ alone. And Christ has shed His blood for sinners. He has redeemed sinners with the shedding of His blood. And then Paul continues on to the, these elders in Ephesus in chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. It could be summarized in this manner. The sheep of the Lord need to be guarded and cared for. Sheep of the Lord are, need, need, to, need to be guarded and cared for. Wolves cause havoc and chaos. And shepherds are to bring peace by focusing the flock on the truth of God. We do not change sound doctrine. We are entrusted with it. What we confess, beloved, what we confess has eternal significance. This is, this is serious. Heresy and false teaching perverts the good gospel. No one wants to drink a watered-down Dr. Pepper. A Dr. Pepper that is made right is sweet and refreshing to the senses, to the palate. A watered-down Dr. Pepper does not continue to be Dr. Pepper. It has, it, has, it has lost its punch. This is what happens when false teachers pervert the gospel. The very substance of the gospel that Jesus saves sinners ceases to be good news when one says everyone's going to he- everyone's going to heaven no matter what Christ has done so shepherds are to be consistently taking heed of themselves and they're con- consistently care for Christ's bride from the attack of wolves As we think about this final portion this morning, how how do elders care for the church of God? What are some ways elders care for the church of God? These are just some of the things that elders do. So this is not going to cover everything an elder does, but these are just some of the things that elders are to do. And as we cover these five things, we will be walking through a variety of passages of Scripture. So feel free to write them down and, and make note of them. I'm, I'm mentioning these passages to show the way elders care. I would love to walk through all these passages in a more focused manner, but for the sake of time this morning, I'm just going to mention them briefly. 
The first aspect elders are to care for the church of God is by preaching and teaching. By preaching and teaching. Qualified men who serve in the office of elder or aspire to the office of elder are to preach the word. We see in Scripture that this office of elder will result in elders or those that aspire to be preaching. And there are some that want to make an argument that separates the office of elder and and pastor and then the responsibilities of elders to allow women to preach. While God has gifted women in a variety of ways, the Scriptures call for qualified men that are doctrinally devoted to preach the Word. And God has given us this order for our good and His glory. So in James chapter 3, verse 1, Scripture says that not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So there's a weight to what is taught. I will be held accountable for what I teach and preach. Our elders here at North Hills will be held accountable for what we teach and preach. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 ends with saying that an elder must be able to teach. And continuing on in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, Scripture says, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So elders are to spend time in preparation, devoting themselves to God's Word. When we gather as the people of God, we open the Scriptures, and the Word is preached And so the people of God are encouraged and equipped and the Spirit convicts the hearts of men and women. Paul's charge to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, is to preach the Word. Preach the Word. To be ready in season and out of season. Who wants to hear Evan Kinnies ramble about himself for 40 minutes? Lauren doesn't even want to hear that. So the charge for for me, the charge for our elders here is to preach the Word. Elders are to preach the Word. Paul writes to Titus in Titus chapter 1, verse 9, that the elder must hold firm to the trustworthy Word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So we are to guard the sheep. We hold fast to the Scriptures. We stand against the unsound doctrine in our area. We desire to guard against 
and prepare you to have conversations with those who have embraced these heresies. For example, there's a large gathering in our area that does not embrace the doctrine of the Trinity. And in the Great Commission, we can see believers were sent to take the gospel to the nations and baptize believers in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 28. So these are not trivial issues. These are not fourth, fifth tier issues. This is the doctrine of God. We're to hold firm to what the Word teaches and rebuke those who contradict it. Also in our teaching, the songs we sing together and confess together teach us and encourage us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I've heard from some pastors that men and pastors don't need to sing. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Ryan and Adam for the songs that are selected for our corporate worship. I'm thankful that we as pastors, we as elders of North Hills, believe we should sing to the Lord. And we should sing doctrinally sound, biblically rich songs. Songs that we would want to sing on our deathbed. Those are the songs we should sing together. And men, lead your families in family worship and sing. Sing to the Lord. We sing with thankfulness to God because we have been redeemed. The, slavery, the, the chains and the bondage of slavery to sin have been removed for those in Christ. How can we not but sing? Second thing elders do to care for the church of God is to pray. We are a church that prays. Our group of elders are to pray together. We are relying upon our triune God in prayer. And we go to Him. We go to Him in communion of prayer, knowing He answers according to the counsel of His will. If God was not sovereign, we would not pray. But God is sovereign. We go to Him in prayer, knowing that He answers according to His will. James chapter 5, verse 14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So your pastors pray for you. We pray for our congregation to hold fast to the gospel. We pray for other churches. We pray for your pastors. 
as we pray for you. Third way in which elders care for the church is that we are to lead in biblical church discipline. We are to lead in biblical church discipline. So following Matthew chapter 18, if a brother sins against a brother, they should go speak. If one does not listen, one or two others are to go speak. And if there is still refusal, it is to be brought before the church. This is what we as elders should strive to follow as we think about leading in biblical church discipline. Fourthly, elders are to be examples to follow. Elders are to be examples to follow. Yet, we are not perfect. We are not perfect. but We continue to grow in Christ and reform. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 2 and 3 says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. I am entrusted to care for the people at North Hills. I'm not entrusted to care or be the pastor of Facebook. I'm not overseeing another congregation. Should we meet with other believers and encourage other believers? Yes. But myself, along with the other elders here, are called to care for North Hills. And we're to be an example to our church. Continually, continually pointing others to the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so fifth and final way in which elders are to care for the church of God is by investing in other men that may serve these offices of the church. Elders and pastors. Pastors should invest in all lives of the local church. We as pastors should invest in all lives of the local church. But in Scripture, we see an example of how Paul cared for Timothy. And Timothy was trained under Paul to serve in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul addresses Timothy as my true child of the faith. He also addresses the same way to Titus. In church history, John Calvin started a group called the Company of Pastors. 
In Geneva, during the time of the Reformation, all, all these Catholic priests left Geneva. And so Calvin saw the need to train men up and these pulpits be filled, but also send pastors out. So during this 70-year period of this, of this company of pastors, there were 130 men that were trained from within or came to Geneva that were then sent out to churches in Geneva and to the nations. So beloved, shame on us if there are men among us who say they aspire to the office and we do not train them up. It's not the the seminary's job to train pastors. That has been given to the local church. We, we are to train pastors. And pastors are to invest in those who may aspire to the office of elder. Train them up. It's not about us. It's not about us. We are passing a baton of the gospel. I'm going to be with the Lord years from now. I don't care about the glories of Evan Kinesi. I want elders who come after me to run better than I've run. So we're passing a baton of the gospel. And so at North Hills, our elders should, should strive to model these five aspects and other things to, to care for the church of God. So this morning we have looked at the qualifications of elders. We've recognized that there's a plurality of elders in Scripture. Acts chapter 20 verse 28 shows us that elders are to pay careful attention to themselves, to the flock, and that the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, has, has obtained the church with his own blood. And so a man that aspires to the office of elder should be prepared to care for the church of God in teaching sound doctrine, praying for the church, leading through church discipline, being an example to follow, and training other men to serve as well. Those are some ways that the elder serves the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for your elders. Pray we remain faithful to our triune God and to the Scriptures. We hold fast to Christ. May our church, may our church hold fast fast to the gospel. Beloved, we only get one life and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice that in the cross of Christ, our hope is found.
Christ Jesus died to save sinners. And those who believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is the good news that the church has been entrusted with. Jesus Christ is sufficient to save sinners. No one else can save. Only Jesus. Only King Jesus. The Father, you have given your word to your church. May we hold fast to your word. May we read it. May we study it. If we are cut, may we bleed Bible. And Lord, as you, as you raise men up to serve as elders, to serve as pastors, may you hold us fast. May our church glorify you. And may we take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.